Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. If you've never been an Audible customer and want to see what they offer, just go to www.audibletrial.com slash Excelsior Journeys and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs, download a title for free, and start listening. It's that easy. Why Audible? Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, and entertainers. And with this free 30-day trial, you'll have your pick of it all. You can hear books of all genres narrated by Jim Dale, Stephen Fry, Will Patton, Alex Hyde-White, Jeff Brick, Neil Shaw, William Demerit, and even a few by me, George Soroy. So go to www.audibletrial.com slash Excelsior Journeys and start your own 30-day journey with Audible today. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of the award-winning podcast, Entrepreneurs on Fire, and you're listening to the Excelsior Journeys with George Soroy. Prepare to ignite. Is there a burning desire within to share your creativity with the rest of the world? Do you insist on pursuing your passion by any means necessary? Then you are on an Excelsior journey, and you are not alone. Welcome back to Excelsior Journeys. My name is George Soroy. So glad that you could all be here for this episode as we begin 2019. I want to take you guys back a little bit in time, uh, about four years to January 2015. And this was during a time when I was about two years into my uh, job at that point, working as an admin assistant for a church in Clayton, Missouri. And I thought that everything was going great. It was um, actually around that point, it was about two and a half years that I was working there. And it was uh, in January of that year, turns out that I was not doing as well as I thought I was. And I was actually in danger of losing this job. And it looked like, you know, things were all of a sudden in a pretty bad place. And with, um, with a mortgage and a family and everything, um, Scarlett hadn't yet been born. But at the same time, you know, it was myself and Cheryl and our two dogs. And we have a house. We got a mortgage to pay. So, you know, responsibilities um, definitely needed to be taken into consideration. And so I needed to get a new job right away where I could feel secure with my situation. And around that time, we were um, one of uh, one of Cheryl's childhood friends, uh, Jen Skaggs, recommended her church to us. And that was Twin Rivers Worship Center. We had never we had never been to Twin Rivers. We had never had the kind of experience that Twin Rivers offered. Um, And it was a wonderful, complete 180 from the regular church atmosphere that I had been used to for pretty much all my life. What, uh, what we wound up getting was an amazing performance to start off, start off the service, uh, led by their music director, Pastor Curtis. That, uh, that definitely helped kind of put my mind at ease, helped me put a smile on my face, and had me standing. I was, I was really enjoying the whole atmosphere, the whole welcoming feeling that, that it gave. And then, uh, then a gentleman took the podium, and um, he basically said exactly what was on my mind for that whole period of time. And he gave some very important advice that I held on to 
for the next seven months, which was simply stay in the boat. And it was a very rocky boat during those seven months. But at the same time, uh, when the position wound up being changed to something that I was no longer qualified for, uh, the church wound up taking much better care of me than if I had gotten one of the lower paying jobs that I was currently um, interviewing for. And it all wound up falling into place so that not only was I able to get, eventually get a, a job that was very well paying um, a few months later, but I was also able to eventually raise money through my Kickstarter campaign to take the voiceover lessons that would get me to where I am now as a voiceover actor and an audiobook narrator. Um, so I give a whole lot of credit to the gentleman that I have here with us today. Um, this is uh, this is the man who basically said flat out, stay in the boat. And it's, uh, it's advice that I held on to very dearly. And I consider myself blessed to not only call him pastor, but also call him friend. And so in January of 2019, um, I introduced to you uh, from Twin Rivers Worship Center, Pastor Joe Dobbins. Pastor, how are you, sir? Oh, George, thank you, man. How, how kind are you? And um, it's just an honor to be here with you and your listeners as we start this new year. And um, I, I'm just really thrilled to, to be with you and so excited. Love you, your family, of course, your beautiful daughter. And um, I, we're just going to have a fun time today. Oh, yeah. And I can't wait for you to meet Scarlett, too. She is, uh, uh, she is such a social butterfly. She, as I know as soon as she sees you, she's going to have the big smile that she normally gives to everybody else that she meets. So, um, Oh, that's awesome. Oh, yeah. So, um, so let, before, we, before we go um, back in time to tell um, your story, tell us a little bit about Twin Rivers Worship Center itself, because I was able to give just like a little bit of, uh, of information about it, but I'm sure you can do a much better job than I could. Well, you know, we think, uh, you know, every local church is a cornerstone of every community, and they're all important and all their different expressions. But, um, you know, we just have a particular love, obviously, for Twin Rivers. Um, Twin Rivers is a church that for a long time has been an anchor in the city of St. Louis. And um, it's just a place where we want people to come and we want to break down uh, preconceived notions of what church is. Um, so that means it looks different. You know, the um, Maybe it's not as formal and traditional as some expressions. It's a little bit uh, more modern. Uh, and, and, and But we could sum up the whole experience as life-giving. We want uh, people to come and experience kindness and hospitality. We want people to, to engage in worship and, and really just uh, feel the passion that we have for God and, and for people. And then, um, you know, we want to open the Bible and, um, and make it not some dusty old book that sits on a coffee table, but uh, we believe the Bible is the most relevant book to every person's life. Um, it just, you know, every person just needs a little help understanding it. So we try to make, bring very practical, applicable messages. Um, but you know, the strength of our church, um, is not a building. It's not the program. It's, it's, it's people. And, um, I just consider the people to nervous speed, the most loving, kind, uh, generous, uh, people that I've ever been around. Even yesterday, I just got a report that a group of our, our folks were in, um, just a local mall going and paying for uh, people who, who were just in a season of struggle, paying for their purchases and just encouraging them. Um, just random acts like that that pop up all through the city. I mean, our people are just incredible, and I'm, I'm just honored to, to be called their pastor. Absolutely, and uh, definitely uh, definitely in that vein, I would love to just give a quick shout-out to Ernie Blank, who um, who headed, who was heading the, um, and still is heading, the um, Monday Night Football 
uh, gathering um, that uh, that happens every, yeah, the life group. every Monday night. Yeah, the life group. And um, because that was uh, that was where I got to really get to know so many people on a more intimate level. And, uh, you know, Ernie, so kind, he took me in and everything and um, still, you know, call him friend to this day. And for everything that uh, all the hospitality that he showed to me and um, and it was it was a really great way to kind of ease me into the whole Twin Rivers community. And yeah, everyone is just so, you know, like happily active, you know, it doesn't feel like, you know, people are just being dragged in like, um, like they, yeah. like they were back when during my childhood and everything. So whatever, whatever you're doing, keep doing it because it's working because uh, and it's, it's great to see. It's, it's great to see that kind of enthusiasm from everyone. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's an incredible thing God's doing and, um, and we're just happy to be a part of uh, the, again, the people are just incredible. And, um, and I love the way you put it. It's not something you have to do. It's something you want to do. We feel like we're adding value and that um, people, it, it, you know, it's not taking away from people's lives, but it's adding to, and, and we're just thrilled about that. Exactly. Exactly. So um, with that in mind, let's go, uh, let's go to the beginning with, uh, with you. What was, um, there's one of the things that I always like to bring up in, in the interviews here is that little spark. There's always that little spark that, um, that creates the, um, the drive for everyone to go in the direction that eventually will give them the most, um, the most fulfillment. And so what was that one spark for you? What was it that, you know, that kind of got that fire lit at the, at the very beginning? Absolutely. Well, um, you know, I, I just want to say from my framework, you know, I really believe exactly what you said, that every person has a unique gift and a unique, if I could even use the word calling, something that, that they've been placed on this earth uniquely to do a way to just better this place. And um, and I, I think that starts actually not with us, but with, with our creator. And, um, you know, the Bible is very clear that um, God created us. And um, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says that that he created us like a work of art, and um, but he did it with a purpose in mind. And mm -hmm. so um, we don't believe that God like just made George and then said, huh, what am I going to do with this one? You know, we believe yeah. that there was a problem to be solved. There was a, a place that needed bettered and God put you together uniquely and then placed you. And so for me, um, the reason I say that is this, I don't think we decide that spark. I think we discover it. Um, because I think it was preset for us. And so for me, um, I grew up in rural West Virginia, um, a very small town. I'm talking about we had more cows than people. Uh, <laughs> there, there was no stoplight, a single stop sign. Um, the only reference point for my hometown is, is the hometown of country uh, legend, Little Jimmy Dickens. And, uh, wow. and that's it. And so um, I went to a very small high school, a very... Um, uh, a place that's really not diverse um, and also grew up in and around a lot of poverty. And so um, for me, um, I remember growing up in church, um, but there was just a moment when I was around 16 years old that I felt like, like many millennials do, that um, I want to make a difference. And for mm -hmm. me, instead of uh, looking at humanitarian efforts or, or different great organizations that are out there, it just tied into my faith. And, um, and I just, I, I had this, this moment where I, a calling, if you will, where I just felt like 
that God revealed that he wanted to use my life to help other people in the avenue of the local church. And so um, it is a long road to get there. Obviously, a lot of twists and turns to get to St. Louis. But um, there was just a moment and it was in a, a setting where I just it was like everything disappeared. And God just really in my heart revealed that um, I should dedicate my life to helping other people and that that's what he put me here for. And um, it's been a crazy, crazy ride since. But um, that's the that's the, the spark, if you will, that got me going. And um, and I'm so grateful for it. I, I would never choose anything other. As a matter of fact, I, I would say this. Um, sometimes I think that our plans for ourselves are so much lesser than God's plans for us. And, um, and, and for me, uh, that I know that's true. I would have picked um, all the twists and turns and journeys, but I'm so glad that, that I kind of gave him control and began to follow his leading because, man, it's it just ended me up in a place that's so much better than anything I could have ever dreamed. I know exactly what you mean when it comes to um, uh, when it when it comes to finding finding your calling, and in a lot of cases, just like what you said, a lot of it really kind of depends on us getting out of our own way, um, because we have like these sort of like different set things that are that are in our head, um, but then all of a sudden, like life takes us over here, and then over here, and then over here, and it winds up becoming something that's not quite what you uh what you had in mind originally but at the same time it's something that you fall into it's something that you feel comfortable doing it's something that you have the passion for um i know in i know in my case um in a lot of ways i just kind of had to take a step back and just agree to a lot of things to let things yeah. happen and all of a sudden all of a sudden it was just like you know you know will we move to st louis okay um, you know, will we get a, you know, will we have a house, you know, like, okay. Um, and then being asked, you know, like, would you, um, congrats, you're vice president of the Missouri Writers Guild. Okay. <laughs> it's like, and you get to, you get to put the whole show together. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's just like, it's yeah. one after another, it's just like those things that I never would have had the confidence in myself to do, but it, thankfully other people did. Um, so I definitely know what you mean when it comes to, when it comes to finding your calling and not just, you know, trying to will it to happen, you know, like just on your own. Um, you know, it's it takes a whole lot of people that real that really comes into that. So was there someone for you that really kind of um, took you by the hand and guided you into this direction? Yeah, I, I think there are thousands of people. Um, you know, people are the way that um, they connect you to your destiny. You know, obviously they, they're the people who open the doors, they're the people who shut doors. And, um, and, you know, everything works through people. And so for me, um, one of the, the greatest, um, looking back, one of the greatest things that I feel like I ever did is I didn't know what I wanted to do, um, mm -hmm. so to say, in ministry, whether that is work with teenagers or, or work with music or work with, uh, you know, outreach or, or even to be a lead pastor. But I knew I wanted to be in ministry. I felt that call. And so what I did is I just started spending time with people who were already where I wanted to be. And I think that's a powerful principle for all of us that um, you may not have it all figured out with what you want to do exactly, but just start getting around people who are further down the road than you, because mm -hmm. you're going to discover things about their life, their journey that will help you then uncover things about your life and your journey. And so I started spending time with uh, people. Um, and, and let me say that requires sacrifice. Um, that required that at times I would go and volunteer, um, you know, in, in those areas. It means I was the oftentimes the guy who was willing to set up chairs and put away chairs, and unlock the building, lock the building, just to get access 
that other yeah. people weren't getting to, to the lives of these, these ministers. So sometimes you have to sacrifice instead of going out and, uh, you know, you know, putting your social life first, getting, you know, take some of that time and put it to be serving people who are ahead of you. And it, it, it opens up doors. But um, by far one of the, the most pivotal moments for me was um, when I was graduating college, a pastor uh, who pastored a great church in Beckley, West Virginia, um, came to me and said, hey, um, I, you know, I see potential in you. Um, I've seen you serving in our church, and I would like to hire you. And he gave me my first job in ministry. His name was Mark Schrade. And, um, and he's continued to just be such a voice of, of encouragement and support through the years. Um, but uh, he definitely was one of the first people to look at me and say, I see something you don't see, and I'm willing to give you an opportunity to do it. And, um, and by opening that door. And, and so I think, you know, it's very important your life as you look back on it you will have some people who unlock doors that allow you to step into your next season and um, and he definitely was a huge pivotal part of that wow so um what was that first job like what was uh, that that, uh, that, he, that he yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Um I graduated with a degree in counseling and so I thought I wanted to be a counselor. I actually didn't believe that I, I had much to say from a, a platform or stage from a you know teaching standpoint. Um, I knew I wasn't called necessarily to, uh, to work with teenagers or children. And I think that's an important point too, is a lot of times when you're in this discovery phase, you learn more of what not to do than what to do. It's almost mm. a process of elimination. Yeah. Um, so I thought I would be a counselor, and he hired me to, to begin a counseling center for people who couldn't afford uh, counseling, whether through insurance and stuff. And um, But here, here's the funny thing. It took about one session for me to sit down with a couple who, uh, who was in a real tough time to figure out that I am not built to be a counselor. Um, although my degree was in that and although, um, you know, the position was in that. And I, the first time I sat down and, and this wife is going at this husband and this husband's going at this wife and it's volatile, they're yelling. I mean, as the counselor, I wanted to go, guys, we probably should just call this a quit. You know, I mean, I wasn't, I just, I, I didn't have the patience to help walk them through. And that's when I discovered about myself this, this was pivotal. I discovered that I don't have the temperament for counseling, but I do have the temperament and gifting to organize things. And so mm -hmm. what I did in that counseling center is actually I empowered other counselors in our church and in our community who would donate time. And so it went from me counseling people to eight to 10 counselors donating time and me organizing a counseling center around their time and availability and connecting them. And so um, something that looked like it was a, a kind of a negative turned into a positive because I discovered a leadership gift that I didn't know I had. Mm. And, um, and that's actually what opened the door for me to go to my next position, which was actually a pastoral position uh, where I, I started helping leading in a large level in a local church, kind of like a number two, where I oversaw lots of ministries and lots of budgets and lots of staff members. Um, I would have never known I had a leadership gift um, until I realized I didn't have a counseling gift. Wow. That's uh, wow. You know, it's, it's one of those things where it's just like you just start you start going into it and everything. And all of a sudden you're just starting to feel like, okay, it's, it's very much like you have the tool, you were given the tools that you worked for. And now all of a sudden you have the place where you can actually do some really good, you know, some, some good with it. Yeah. 
that's you know what I think I learned out of that that, that I think a lot of people uh, today could use is the um, I, I think sometimes perfection paralyzes and mm. um, and I think there are a lot of people who haven't stepped into their purpose and haven't stepped into their destiny because frankly they're looking for perfect conditions you know I have to have the perfect position at the perfect company and make the perfect amount of money and and, and you know and it has to all work out exactly to my giftings. And the reality is a lot of times in life, um, if you wait for the perfect conditions, you're just going to keep waiting. And so even in the middle of what weren't the perfect conditions for my gifting, and I continued to serve and continued to try to help people, but just in the best way I could. And I think that God honors that because, um, but I do think there are a lot of people who they are, they're not moving forward in, in their uniqueness and in their calling because they're just waiting on perfect conditions. My advice to them would be, even though it's not perfect, find how you can make it better with what you do have and what you do enjoy. And, and then when you do that, I, I think God will open a door to reveal a, a better, you know, better suited uh, opportunity or season for you. It's funny that you should say that because this past November was National Novel Writing Month. And that was, uh, that's a big uh, worldwide challenge where people draft up a 50,000 word novel in just 30 days. And um, basically what it's, it sounds more intimidating than it really is because once you kind of realize what it is that it's supposed to be, then all of a sudden it becomes so much more freeing because um, too many people try to, you know, sit down and they write a novel and they're doing exactly what, uh, what you were just saying. They're paralyzed by the idea of perfection and they don't get past the first page. But if they give themselves permission to basically, in a sense, write crap, you know, for the first, for that first draft, then what they're doing is they're laying down the foundation for what will eventually become their novel. It's not going to be the finished novel, not by a long shot, but what it is, it's um, writing in, in a sense is rewriting and you can't rewrite from nothing. So basically like what they, they think that they've created a house by, you know, by doing this novel draft when all they've done is just build the basement, but they've built yeah. a really good, strong basement that they can now build upon. And, you know, as long as you, as long as you're not worrying about what colored drapes that, you know, they're going to be and focus on the task at hand, then you're, you'll be able to work yourself up to the point where you can start thinking about those drapes because it'll be time to put them up. Yeah. I love that. That's a great analogy. And, and so true. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so take us, so take us from, uh, from that, you know, like what, uh, what got you onto the next step? Well, you know, for me, that's when the twists and turns took uh, directions I never dreamed. You know, um, when you're in your gifting and you're in kind of your, your um, uniqueness, um, you're very comfortable. And so for me, as an administrator, as a leader, as someone who was kind of a, a COO, if you will, Mm-hmm. Um, of a local church, I was very comfortable. I didn't have to be on stage. I didn't have to be in front of people. I worked with numbers. I worked with, you know, spreadsheets. I worked with strategy sessions. Um, I, I, you know, I was in my leadership gift. And, um, and that brought us to St. Louis, to a local church, uh, the Twin Rivers, to where we were, we were that number two position, the leadership head, but again, not very public. And, um, and it, we were very comfortable. I could have done that for the rest of my life. I uh, felt like I excelled at that. I was being, um, you know, I was traveling nationally, helping other churches organize uh, instructors and systems to serve people better. And so um, I just could have done that for the rest of my life. And in um, basically in, in 
May of 2014, um, that whole world was blown up in a way that I never expected. Um, I worked for a pastor at the time at Twin Rivers who was the lead pastor. Um, he's the one who did all the preaching. He's the one who was the, the visionary. And he sat down and said, we're leaving. And um, said that our time has come to an end uh, after 27 years. Um, and um, and we believe that you're the person that's supposed to step into the lead role, which means you'll, you'll move from behind the scenes to the public front. You'll, you'll be weekly now teaching the Bible. You'll be doing all these things and uh, casting vision, a completely different job, completely different gifting from what I've been used to. And um, and I, we, it happened in Amagiano's as Caleb, my wife, and I sat there listening to this. And I, the first thing out of my mouth is I said, well, as your executive pastor, let me say this is the dumbest idea you've ever had. <laughs> um, because I, all I could see was my inadequacies and, and how mm-hmm. I couldn't do it. I, at this point, I had only ever stood in front of an audience maybe eight to 11 times in, in an almost eight year career at this point. Wow. So I had no teaching training, no Bible tra- training, no preaching training. I was a leader. I was a, like, a, I, I could have easily worked in the corporate world as much as I, for what I did to local churches. And he said, Hey, we, we believe you. Not only that, did I not have the experience, but I was only 29 years old. Mm-hmm. And um, for anyone who knows the church world, um, you know, that that's, usually a time you're starting out it's not a time that you're taking you know moving to the top and um and this is you know twin rivers is not a small church um several thousand people millions of dollars in its budget and um you know 20 20 so 20 or so staff members um you know so it it was not a small beginning and um and i went home that night after that dinner and um and I, i laid down on our couch and um and for the first time in my life i discovered what fear really is Mm. Um, a lot of times I think we say we're scared of things, but you really don't know what fear is until it takes you to the place where you can't, you have no power, no ability to, to, to compare to it. I mean, I was just, it was like, I was being thrown in the middle of the Pacific ocean and saying, you have to swim to shore. And, um, and, and so it was just completely, I could not do it in my own strength. And um, I, I discovered that night what fear is. And as the process unveiled itself and I, I t- took step after step and, and ultimately became the lead pastor, here's what else I discovered. I discovered what grace is. Hmm. And, um, and, you know, for those who aren't familiar with the concept of grace, grace is God giving you um, the supernatural ability. It's kind of you get to lean on his strength instead of your strength. It's when you depend on him instead of depending on yourself. And uh, it kind of the difference between trying harder and trusting more. And um, and what I found is myself in a scenario where uh, based on my ability to, to do this job, people's jobs were hung in the balance, a church that had had an 80 year history hung in the balance, um, you know, nationally known uh, people were looking to see what would happen. I was in over my head. And so I was forced to say, God, if you don't do this, it's not going to happen. And what I've been on the last, you know, five years, George, is a ride that I, I just could have never dreamed. Um, it's been the best experience of my life uh, because I just believe the more we, um, the more we surrender and allow God to lead in our lives, the more um, He can do with our lives. And what I, I'm astonished today, as I look, at, you know, Sunday I stood in front of, you know, thousands of people sharing, seeing lives changed. Um, 
baptizing people and hearing about uh, people who are in addictions, coming out of addictions because of the ministry of the church that, that's taken place, um, hearing about marriages that have been put back together, seeing the, the impact that our community has made. Last year, we put over 4,000 hours of community service into our city. Uh, we, you know, we get this, this uh, just this previous Christmas, we helped 150 families by providing completely for their Christmas. Um, these are just a, a couple highlights to see that that is that not only did we survive, but it's thriving. Yeah. I'm just blown away. But I, I say that to say this, um, there will be a moment in everyone's life where you feel like you face, uh, you, you know, you, you face um, an opportunity to step out of what's comfortable into what's unknown. And, and often many people don't take that step because of the fear that immediately just hits you in the face. And, um, and, and what I'm saying is I am so grateful that I was willing to leave the comfortable because on the other side of the comfortable, across that fear, um, man, there was there was just an incredible impact, incredible opportunity that I never even dreamed existed. Um, but I, you know, so so when I look back now, I'm thinking, man, I'm so glad I didn't stay comfortable. Because if yeah. I would have stayed comfortable, I would have missed out on all of these great things. I yeah, I'm 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 right there with you. I definitely know what that what that feels like. Um, was there something when you, when, uh, when you were given, when you were given the, the run of Twin Rivers Worship Center, was there something in particular or, or some things in particular that you were able to implement now that you had that authority and you were able to kind of see them through to become something bigger? Sure. You know, um, I believe, you know, again, God places me, you, and every one of your listeners exactly where they are. And, um, and he put them there because there's something in them he wants to add to wherever they are. Mm-hmm. And so for, for the guy who's listening that runs, uh, you know, just became manager, you know, God put him there not just to run the playbook of management, but because there's a unique way he manages that mm-hmm. God wants to, you know, encourage and build people up with. Um, for those who are writing, you know, God didn't just ask them to write a book because we need another book on a shelf. There's something unique about them. And so, you know, when, when I took that position, I, I there's just this obvious kind of nature to me that there's something in me that God wants to put into this local church. And, um, and honestly, for our church, it was this, and I, I just want to be, be transparent. Every pastor needs to ask themselves this question. Um, if this church closed down tomorrow, would the community notice? Mm. And, and, and if, when you ask yourself that, honestly, if, if the answer is ever no, then things need to change because yeah. a, a church is there for its community. It's there to serve. It's there to love. It's there to encourage. It's there to be a moral beacon in a time when morality is, is, you know, uh, in question in different areas. And, um, at any point in time that, 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 that can't be answered, you know, yes, yes, it would be missed. Then something needs to change. And the reality is, um, our church was, was teetering on that place where we could answer that question yes and i'll give you an example my wife is a dental hygienist and um and one day she decided to ask every patient that she had if they had ever heard of our church and um and she said uh you know she went through 10 patients that day and got 10 no's no's they had Mm -hmm. never heard of our church the problem with it was is that her office set two tenths of a mile on the same road as our church. Oh wow! Every one of those people had to pass our church in order to come to that office, and that was just a moment of clarification for us that we have to do something different. And so yeah. we, um, in that moment, decided to shift the resources 
the uh, the human resources, the hours of, of our congregation um, into serving our community. Um, the year before that, we had probably only put 200 hours of community service into our into our local community through initiatives in our church. Um, we made a declaration that we will be a church that serves the community. And since then, um, we routinely put thousands upon thousands of hours this last year over 4,000 hours of community service into our our community uh this just one example is of something that didn't exist before is this last uh july we did an event called single mom saturday where we adopted 75 single moms who were not a part of our church Mm -hmm. brought them in um uh, encouraged them and their children but then loaded them onto school buses and sent them in a partnership with a local Coles department store, and we let them go in, and we gave them $350 each to buy all that their kids needed for school, then put them back on a bus, brought them back to the church, fed them a meal, and then gave every one of the moms a personalized wardrobe in a partnership with a local boutique in our community. And um, and so that's just, you know, it got uh, the, the news stations in St. Louis picked it up, and, and it, you know, there was some notoriety from it, but we're doing things like that every month at our church now and um and i really believe i and i say this with sincerity i really believe that our church now is known more for what it does in the community than what happens in its inside the church now and i'm so grateful for that um because that's what a church should be we're there for that community we're there to make the city of st louis better and so i'm, I'm so grateful that that took place but I, I just say all that to say this for our listeners is there's something unique there's a dream a vision an idea inside of you and um, there's a problem that you see that other people don't see. You need to be the one that uses what influence you have to make it better. And that may be a small scale. You know, maybe you're the receptionist at your office, and all you see is, is one small thing. Improve that. And, and, and what I've found is when we step out to make better uh, what's in our power, more things come in our power to make better. Wow. Yeah. I, and this kind of this kind of plays into what you were saying before regarding uh, regarding what a church really is that it's not that's it's not so much the building itself it's the people that that are in it and it sounds like what yeah. you're doing is by getting more people outside of the church involved you're expanding the church in in a way because absolutely yeah because like the building can only go so far but the people that are in it can spread out to infinite miles and um, it, it very much kind of reminds me of, um, of how when I started in college, um, I, start, I went to college at Marymount Manhattan College, and uh, we we're confined to just basically like one building on 71st and 3rd, and people were asking, um, you know, like about the, you know, the reach and everything, because normally colleges, you know, they're universities, and therefore, you know, like they're huge sprawling campuses and so in order to kind of like um we were always saying just kind of a means to cover them cover themselves they were basically saying new york city is your campus and it was only like after i had gone there that's when i kind of realized what they meant because of all the different opportunities that that it gave and that's very much in, in line with what you were saying about what a church is because um you know it's like st louis basically kind of you know, it's being at least like, you know, the South County area and everything like that is your church because that can expand while the building itself cannot as much. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, we just, um, when I look at, uh, you know, on a Sunday at the thousands of people who are sitting there, I don't see an audience. I see an army of people. You know, I see a, a, a group of people who are not there to listen to me, and that's all that we're there. But for me to help motivate and connect them to the unique thing God's put in them. And so um, nothing gives me more joy than when I get uh, stories and, uh, you know, emails and, and messages that share the great things that they're doing that we don't even know about. You know, the, the people who go and visit uh, children's hospital and, and, and encourage families. And we didn't, we didn't organize that. They just came up to, you know, somebody in our congregation felt like they should do that. You know, the people who uh, we've got one guy in our congregation who started driving up and down the interstates to help stranded motorists, you know, he's a former mechanic, a retired mechanic. And so he started doing that. And, you know, that that's when I think the church becomes Really, the most powerful force on earth, to be honest with you, is when it's living in the uh, with the attitude and the example that Jesus had. Jesus walked into every situation and made it better. And when people in a local church start living with that attitude, um, rejecting selfishness and taking on, you know, selflessness, you know, rejecting the idea of life's about what I can get and instead saying, hey, life's about what I can give. When you can see that, that, that change happen in the thinking of a local church, um, it is a powerful, powerful source uh, for a community. And, and really, uh, that if you look at church history, that's why, um, you know, something that started 2000 years ago in an underfunded, no political pull, um, no military might movement from a teacher in Jerusalem has spread around the world to over a billion people. The power is when the, the church becomes generous, servant hearted and loving. Absolutely. And I can, I can definitely say that you and Twin Rivers have come into my life and made it better. So that's, um, that's something that I will, that's something I will always be grateful for. That's why I made sure to get myself baptized at Twin Rivers to make sure that that, uh, to make sure that that happened. Um, now, for people that are in the St. Louis area, um, tell us how they can find Twin Rivers. Yeah, you know, web address is twinrivers.church, um, twinrivers.church. We have a YouTube channel, or you can find us on social media. You can find us on uh, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, any of those. And uh, that's at uh, Twin Rivers STL. Um, all of those are at Twin Rivers STL. Uh, we have two campuses, one in the South County area uh, that has three services, and then we have one in the St. Peter's area that has two services. And uh, in coming later this year, we are so excited. In September of, of this year, we are launching our third campus. Uh, really? The city is to uh, be announced a little bit later. But, yeah, we're going to be launching our third campus. We're so excited about that to be able to come and, and be a part of another community. And uh, and so we're, we're just thrilled. We, and, and let me say, um, if I can, with a new year, um, people are always thinking about new. They're thinking about you know new diets. They're thinking about new yeah. routines. Um, they're thinking about new resolutions. Um, let, let me say this, if I can, and if, if your listeners would give me just a little uh, latitude to say this to them. Um, you know, every listener, regardless of, of their, you know, um, their faith, regardless of if they have, you know, they practice or don't or anything. I believe that every person on earth is a body, a soul, and a spirit. A body, uh, physically, obviously we can see that. A soul, mind, will, and emotions. And then a spirit. I think every, you know, I mean, and obviously statistics research show overwhelmingly that people recognize they are spiritual and have spiritual questions um 
but at the same time, what we look at is that resolutions don't really work. You know, most people quit them before February 1st and it doesn't seem to work. And, and let me just say, I feel like for my own life that I've, I've discovered something is that, um, that oftentimes resolutions are about changing our body or they're about changing even our, you know, our thinking. Um, but they, they neglect changing us spiritually. And what I've discovered is, is that if you'll reverse the order of body, soul, and spirit to spirit, soul, and body, and you'll start addressing things that way, you'll see a much more powerful and much more long, uh, much more longevity to some of the changes you want to make. And so I guess I just want to encourage this year, no matter where they're at, all over the nation, maybe instead of this year of saying, hey, I'm going to go to the gym, the gym's great, but why don't you open up to say, hey, I'm open to, to something new in my faith this year. And I think if you'll start living spirit, soul, and body in that order, you're going to see some, some bigger changes. You're going to see some, some better thinking, um, some things that will translate not from the outside in, but from the inside out. And so I, I just want to encourage everybody to do that. It's a great time of year to, to maybe take your faith off the shelf and engage it anew in, the new time, in, in, in this new year. That's yeah. That's 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 a that's a wonderful sentiment, and I really hope that uh, that all of you really you know take this into all of this into consideration. Um, like I've said before, um, Pastor Joe and Twin Rivers they came into my life when I desperately needed them, and they have done so much for me, for my family, uh, for my faith, and you know um, they have uh, given me much much more calm. Um, and during a time when it was, uh, when things were not quite as calm, which would be an understatement. So with this in mind, I really hope that all of you really kind of take this into consideration for this new year. Um, and I look forward to hearing from all of you regarding the, um, regarding the direction that you want to take for yourself, whether there is a, a new project or something that you have in mind. Uh, we're going to be speaking to, you know, to quite a few people that will be, um, that are going to, that have their passion, that are making it a reality, just as Pastor Joe is doing, just as uh, he is doing for Twin Rivers, and just as Twin Rivers is doing for the community. Um, so I really hope that all of you, um, you know, just keep listening and keep pushing um, and not giving up on your passions. Uh, just as Pastor Joe told me four years ago to stay in the boat. Um, you know, if this, if this boat is, is still staying afloat, if it's something that you feel will get you from, um, from place to place, then by all means, you know, definitely you got to, you know, stay in that boat. Um, it's uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to have Pastor Joe Dobbins here with us, and I really hope that all of you have uh, gotten as much, if not more, from this episode as I have. And um, and I'm looking forward to hearing more suggestions, hearing more comments, hearing uh, hearing more feedback from all of you. Um, remember, we can be found on iTunes. Podbean, which is our main headquarters, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. 
and oh, and TuneIn. We just recently uh, we just recently locked in with uh, with TuneIn. So uh, that's six different places where you can download Excelsior Journeys, and you'll be able to uh, hear Pastor Joe's story as well as the stories of everyone that came before him and those coming after him. So again, Pastor Joe, thank you so much for being a part of the show and for Pastor Joe Dobbins and Twin Rivers Worship Center. Uh, this is George Soroy saying to you, ever upward. <laughs>